This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Alexis Barrett Cutler, thank you so much for joining me today. I've been such a fan of yours for years. I didn't know it was you because on Instagram, I, I followed you on <clears throat> I followed you on um, Not Safe for Mom group, and um, it's just like such a beautiful community. I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listener. Sure. Um, I'm Alexis Barad Cutler. I am a mom of two. I have an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old. Um, I describe myself as a writer by trade. I'm a journalist. I'm a children's book editor, mm. children's book writer, a ghost writer. And now I write um, narrative nonfiction, memoir type stuff. So cool. Um, and Not Safe for Mom Group, I started maybe in 2018 because I felt like at the time on Instagram, there was just the um, aspirational mom, you know, the beautiful countertop and the kid and the, you know, beautiful float. There's like ruffles on everything that they're wearing and uh, they're running in grass a lot, running in grass and the mother looks perfect. And there were a couple other, um, that mother like never yells. She never loses her. No, no she's, never. She gets down on and the level. And she's rich. So rich. <laughs> she's so she loves her husband. Her husband's hot. Her husband's hot. The In sex shape. they have, Let very one great. can only imagine. Yes. And so I was hating myself like at this point. I had postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety and psychosis and like all that crap. I hated my baby. Thought he was going to kill me. The first one. My first one, yeah. Mm. I thought he was really trying to kill me. We can mm. go into that some other time or later. But um, I needed a space that reflected back to me the experience that I was having. And, yeah. um, and, and that's essentially what Not Safe for Mom Group is about, is highlighting the stickier, uglier, messier parts of motherhood and providing a space for people to say what they really want to say within the comfort of anonymity because you can just write to us and we'll post it on your behalf anonymously. So people don't necessarily comment because they you can see who is commenting like, yeah, I feel that way too, but they'll DM you? We get like 100 DMs a day. Wow. How do you keep up with yeah. that? I have a person who reads my DMs. Wow. My community manager, Julian, is amazing. And she not only reads them, but she responds. And people expect her voice now, you know, when they're oh. writing to us. So, Well, I, I, right. I, I, I once um, was in your, in your DMs about I – was, I was taking 5-HTP um, while I was pregnant with my daughter. And it was like I, – I was so nervous because it was like I was almost done with my pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And um, – I don't know. I I was like, no one's no one's helping me out, mm-hmm. and I had reached out to you. You said that your your dad is like an OBGYN. Yeah, he's it? a f- a fertility specialist and oh. reproductive endocrinologist. Well, that's very. Um, it is nice. It is convenient. Well, I wanted to be a gynecologist. Oh, mm-hmm. you're like very into women, women's health. Yeah, we really have reproductive health. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How does that like sort of bleed into your life now? Do you think? Well, I started um, – I, I co-founded a nonprofit this year with a bunch of other women in the motherhood space you probably know, mm. CEOs, thought leaders, writers, uh, doctors. It's called the Chamber of Mothers. And the three pillars that we're focusing on are maternal health, affordable child care, and quality child care, and paid leave. Wow. And those all kind of wrap into one another and um, – are so interconnected. So how, how are how do you go about making change? 
Well, you what have do we to, do? Right. So a lot of women, including me, until I got into this work, thought that change was something done by people in power and, you know, basically 50 to 60-something white men. Um, but when we started telling women on Instagram, <clears throat> like, here's the problem, here's who we need to at mansion, for example, um, we can actually make something happen. And so we created this viral campaign when we first started, when paid leave was cut from Build Back Better. And it really spread like wildfire to the point that other advocacy organizations were saying like, who are these people? Because we were each able wow. to reach our communities. And so every day, the everyday mom, once she has the information, she knows what to do with it. So instead of just being angry and being sad, you realize, okay, who am I voting for? What does that mean? What do they stand for? How do their values align with mine? Like making women more informed yeah. about policy yeah. can create change. And you don't have to be marching in the street to do it. Although marching in the street is nice. It's great. Sure. It feels good. It feels good, but you might have to go to the grocery store to feed your children. And on the line at the grocery store, you can at mention these people, right? You, yeah. you can do something yeah. while you're living your life. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. I didn't realize how Instagram, you know, I like poo-poo it all the time, but it's it's like a really strong tool, huh? It is. It can be a force for good, and that's how I've been experiencing it and leveraging it. And um, there are more people that want things to change than we think and mm. that are willing to help. We have like thousands of women wrote to us like, what can I do? No, like, what can I really do? I want to, I want to help. I want to do something. I, there's no, I mean, the great thing is that there are people who have been doing this work for so long. Like we're not the first advocacy group, but what we're hoping to do is to uplift the messages of existing organizations like Planned Parenthood right. and Moms Rising and Every Town, because if they have a message, it's in a little silo. But we can be like, from our 20 women who are part of this team, put that broadcast it to our individual communities. And so then it creates a ripple effect. And then suddenly everyone's like, oh, I know, I know what Every Town's about, or I know what Moms Rising is now. And um, we just can reach more people because we have di a different reach. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's like this idea that like, oh, no, they've they've already done it. I can't step on anyone's toes. But when it comes to these very important issues around women's rights and women's health, I think each one of us has a different story, mm -hmm. a different audience and a different way of connecting. And we're not stepping on toes. We're like we're marching we're just together. We're really working together. Yeah. And it's been interesting, too, because it's a non-hierarchical organization. So... No one's really in charge, which so is so feminine, awesome, but also hard. It's hard yeah. <laughs> but we just we try to describe ourselves as a flock of birds, where there's someone in the front of the V, and and sometimes you need to fly to the back of the V, right? Like my whole family has COVID, or I have a huge deadline. Mm. So I wonder if so far it's working. Mm. I wonder if this success can mean something for other organizations to be more V-led. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. Um, when I'm on set, um, either directing or acting, it's always really interesting to have a director who's um, a woman. It's it's rather V-led. 
Yeah. There's always someone, you know, here we are um, in the in the loving arms of our executive producer, Laura Lucchetti. You know, there's always a very feminine sort of embrace mm-hmm. that's just a little different. And I, it's not that I'm I'm not ragging on a more masculine way of leading, but um, uh, maybe we can embrace more feminine into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to talk about you. Okay. I want to pivot and talk oh, about you. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, how did you know, how did you go from postpartum psychosis mm. to this uh, postpartum sort of empowerment? You know, you're we're still postpartum. That's Very an interesting much. idea. Actually, we are still post this big event that has happened. And Right now, I'm finding you in such power and such leadership, and and also, um, and I did find you on Instagram, so look at that. But um, I also find your uh, your edginess <laughs> it didn't go away in yeah. motherhood, which I find really inspiring because I also am edgy. Yes, <laughs> like are. I am genuinely like you know, um, and deeply motivated and moved by the experience of being a mother. Mm-hmm. For me, that can feel at odds. Like hearing you say, I'm a children's book writer and I, you know, and I'm this matriarch of the <laughs> not safe for mom group. Um, can you tell me how you marry those two sides of yourself or is that just natural for you? Well, empathy has always been very natural for me, Um, trying to understand how people feel and wanting to make them feel lighter. I've just been doing that since I was little, you know, to a detriment, right? Um, Taking on too many of other people's feelings can really weigh you down. So that was – that was a journey in leaving this community and not in learning what I can do to lessen the emotional load. to go back to your first question, which was like, how did you get from postpartum psychosis and like helplessness and overwhelm to a feeling of power? I think that there are a couple things. Um, I was not in a good place because I was so unsupported hmm. when I became a new mom. Hmm. Um, we were the first people in our friend group to have kids and um, didn't know at all what to expect. Didn't even think that much about like, why are we having children? Mm. It was just what you do. It's like we're going to I'm going to meet a nice Jewish guy and then I'm <laughs> going to get married and everyone's going to be there and then about a year later we're going to start trying. Oh, and we got a dog. Mm. You know, and then it wasn't until years later I was like, why did I have like what was my reason for having mm. children? I didn't even really it just was what one did in mm. my head. And um we didn't think about having a nanny. We didn't think about um my postpartum care. We didn't think about ever having a C-section. And I had an emergency C-section with my first and then a planned with the second. And day three, I think we were hosting Rosh Hashanah. Like (laughs) it was- Day three after you had a baby. Yes. Yeah. After I got home from the hospital and I was doubled over, you know, my stomach was still distended. I was still, it hurt to move and I was doing laundry and going up and down the stairs. Like nobody knew. We have to take care of her, and we also have to help preserve her sleep. Mm. So a lot of postpartum psychosis can and depression can happen when you're dead sleep-deprived, right? Yeah. And my husband has a big job, and he was like, I can't really help you mm. at night. Mm. And um, that was a huge blow 
like a gut punch. I was like, wait, what? He's like, well, this is your job and this is my job. Luckily, he has grown so much from those days. But at the time, that's where we were. And I just, I felt like such despair. And it wasn't until I went to see my OBGYN, who I love, and she was it was like a, vo- a visit, maybe maybe two months out, and she was like the six week visit. Mm-mm. I was like I had to go back a couple times, and but this visit, she looks at me and she's like, "Where did you go?" Mm. And I said, "What do you mean?" And she's like, "The light went out. Mm. You were such a light, like your whole pregnancy. You were just so happy, and I don't see you mm. anymore." Thank God for her. Oh my God! And that's when I realized, oh, what I'm going through isn't something that I made up or that I'm creating. It's yeah. actually a thing. And she asked me questions like from a checklist. And I was like, yes, yes. Are you reading my diary? Like mm. it was nuts. Mm. And this is 10 years ago. We still weren't talking about postpartum depression. It was taboo. Yeah. Now it's like, here's my postpartum depression story. Here's my <laughs> blog. Here's my line of clothes for it. Yeah. Um, but we, I don't, but I think part of the reason why Laura and I were so into this, um, for the Mom Curious podcast is like, I don't think people before they get pregnant do think about, you know, what it's like. And also maybe they don't want they, they don't want to. Mm-hmm. They don't want to. They have a life to live. They have careers to they have relationships. They they have stuff going on. Um, but if there's anyone out there who just has the hint of like, oh, I've had depression before, or gee, I I I'm called to understand what this is. Or I've had health issues before. I want to make sure that I take care of my body. Like at least they can click on somewhere and mm-hmm. hear someone's firsthand account on how to get get to power. You know, I don't know how long it took you. How, how long did it take you to get to this? Uh, or is it still an unfolding? It's, it's absolutely something that unfolds. And it gets just so much easier to feel powerful when your kids aren't physically demanding from mm. like your body and your arms and your back and – all of your attention and time because you're afraid that your toddler's going to like fall down a staircase. Like my kids are eight and almost 11. And that has, I mean, I look at my friends who are still in the thick of it Mm. and I just keep on saying it gets better. I (laughs) promise it gets better because then they wake themselves up in the morning. They get themselves cereal. They put the TV on. What? Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, if you need to rely on iPad, there's nothing wrong with it in my mind. Then they'll read for two hours later that night and put themselves to sleep. Wow. And I'm like, where doesn't anybody need me anymore? So wow. I'm getting a puppy because I'm feeling like mm, what I'm happened to that free. dog? My my Ernest died. He passed I'm last sorry. July. I'm yeah. so sorry. Get that dog. I'm getting my new dog. A Took puppy? A, year. a puppy. A puppy's like a baby. A puppy's going to keep you up at night. I'm Just excited. a heads up. I know. Puppies are a real thing. I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> okay, good. Just not for another baby. So Yeah. So how is your relationship with your son now? Um it's It's night and day. I never could have imagined when I was a new mom and he's lying. (laughs) I put him on the counter, you know, in like a bunch of blankets so I could wash the dishes. And I remember looking into his eyes and thinking, he's he's planning my demise. Mm -hmm. He's planning it. And it just seemed like the only logical thing. Why would you make me feel like I'm going to die like you came and now I feel like I'm going to die. It must be coming from you. I mean, it's crazy. But that's um, – I, I really thought that he had some kind of ulterior motive as a, like a four-month-old. Wow. Yeah. And um, it took medication. Yeah. 
it wasn't I would I don't even know if I'd be here. You know, um, when you start to have these irrational thoughts like what would happen if I just pushed the stroller into the, you know, street, you know, those are real things that happen that yeah. can happen yeah. when you have postpartum depression, anxiety, psychosis, and... Um, I would feel so afraid all the time that I that that I would, by accident, drive, drive into... Like, that was so scary to me all the time. I mean, sleep deprivation is a form of a actual beast. torture. It is, and I, yeah. I've spoken to so many women who've said, I'm afraid because today I was driving and I just thought what would happen if I drove off of this bridge with that, my baby in the back. Right. Not as a, I hope it doesn't happen, but oh. a curiosity. Oh, wow. What would happen if I just yeah. dropped the baby onto the subway tracks? Like, terrible things. Yeah. But they're real, and people feel so guilty for having these thoughts. The one great thing about intrusive thoughts is that usually uh, you're not going to act on them. Mm. But they are they are so pervasive that they can ruin your life. Mm. And it takes serious support and help to get out of that. Support, right? You, you know, we don't act on them. M many of us don't act on them because we have enough support, privilege, money, um, people who love us. Even with all the privilege in the world, if you have a partner who doesn't believe in um, medication like antidepressants because you're breastfeeding and there's like, well, I don't know. What about the Zoloft stuff? Like this could get into the breast milk and then our baby. And then yeah. you're like, okay, then let's formula feed. And then they're like, have you read the ingredients on this formula? And you're just like, I don't know what you want me to do. Right. And th by the way, that partner is not your boss. <laughs> yes. That's a very good just point. straight up. But they're like, this is half but, my but, baby. Ha sure. And you're totally um, undermined by hell in your head you yeah. know so you so might think this person you might think this person is your boss also yes. they're the only person you're seeing like as much as the baby i mean you're impressionable yeah yeah you're, you're impressionable weak. and weak and and we've been also fed that our husband's partners are boss-like figures they're not just mm -hmm. to, just putting well, that out there are figures <laughs> it's just whether <laughs> you treat them like they're your boss is the other thing hmm. self-important what i mean yeah i mean yeah. when you're like when you're that sick which, yeah. And it is sick, right? Yeah. Like when you're that sick, like it's hard to love yourself. Yeah. You're like looking outside like, do you love me? Are you going to give me the – are you going to give me the right answers? Right? Yeah. yeah. Or at least support me while I find the answers. Um, so I knew that I needed to get some help. And I, I had been on medication. I'd had depression in my life, so it wasn't like a brand new thing. But going on medication while breastfeeding was a concern. So my good friend, who's also my husband's friend, she really saved my life because she told my husband that she also suffered from postpartum psychosis. And this is someone he really trusts. And mm. she's like, I was eating staples. Okay. She was eating sharp objects. <sighs> That's a thing. And To um, feel something? I don't know. It's just a compulsion that she had after she had her baby. Wow. And um, maybe like pika. You know, people who eat dirt and stuff. I've never actually heard of that. Oh, yeah. Some people eat sand. Some people eat dirt. Um, it's yeah. called pika. You know, that's like a sensory input um, experience, yeah. you know. 
but like sharp objects going down wow. your throat. I couldn't. Mm. But she went and saw the psychiatrist, a reproductive psychiatrist, and she's like the happiest and most wonderful person. Like she's back to herself. Yeah. And um, so she's like, maybe Alexis should go see that person. And so he came with me and the psychiatrist said, so here's your choice. You can, your wife can go on this medication and feel better or she might kill herself. What hmm. would you like, you know? And he was like, okay, yeah, yeah that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, now he's such a big supporter of mental health and therapy and medication. But you guys have been on a real journey. For sure. Yeah. I, 11 years is a long time, but it, it could it could have just flatlined, you know, yeah. you could have stayed the same. And it, it does took seem a lot. like you, you've been through a lot and you've come out the other side really strong and yeah, beautiful. And my kid, Julian, was like a real sensory kid, mm. um, sensory averse and um, colicky, never Great. slept. Great. Thanks. Um, you bring him to the party. He'd be the, like, I need to go home now. Like people stopped inviting us to birthdays mm. because Great. it was like, what's even the point? And now he's like this amazing, confident ten-year-old who like did virtual interviews for private school and did some modeling, and like he likes being part of the party or like the first person to start a conversation. And he's so patient and kind and caring. I never would have imagined him turning out to be this way, but people change. People right? People change. Adults yeah. change. People change. Yeah. Like yeah. we we um I mean I I always I always get like sort of tickled by like when my son is the exact same as when he was a baby <laughs> like I think that's really cute like and it makes me feel like oh I knew it and I I was listening and that, but people change it's actually really nice to know that your relationship has changed also because you know because it's nice because well, it doesn't change so maybe something that's like sensory averse someone who's sensory averse might later become the deepest empath because they're taking in so much from their surroundings it's like a lot of um input right I, I have a lot of input like i once had a brain scan and it was like like the amount that i hear see mm -hmm. touch taste it is so much mm -hmm. actually laura tells me that after these days of interviews she's like you can you please take care of yourself? And I yeah. say, and I say, sure, sure, sure. She's like, please, I, you were so empathetic. Your beautiful work, blah blah blah. Yeah. Can you please take care of yourself? Two days later, I will be laid out. Yes, it's exhausting. Yeah, that's what I, and I didn't, and I'll be like, I don't know why. Well, yeah, that's what happened during that. the pandemic with Not Safe for Mom group because every day was worse and worse. And um, I'm getting these DMs from women being like, oh, and so no. now um, my boss is expecting me to do the same work day. I'm taking care of three kids and I'm also doing virtual school for two of them. And one of them is a needy toddler. I'm losing my mind or like then their husband loses their job. What the hell are they going to do? How are we going to like people couldn't pay to keep the lights on and I, and, and then people who were in the middle of IVF and, and all of those things that got interrupted, I was receiving these messages and it just felt like they were all sitting on my head right. and I started to get depressed Right. and I wasn't, and it wasn't functioning. Yours. And it, it wasn't, wasn't yours. mine. No. Well, thank God it wasn't yours. Thank God. It was lucky. Yeah. Very lucky. And I, I understand. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you have that um, person who... Reads the DMs now. Yes. Julian, I could not live without. A different Julian. Yes. Her name is Julian. Oh, well, there yes, you go. she's in Canada. And um, love a Canadian. Yeah, she was my she is my 
my right-hand person and um, the first person on the team, really, and just one of the OG mom group ladies. Wow. Yeah. Actually, my whole team came from Not Safe for Mom group. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about your second child. Yes. How was that experience from the get? Such a different kid. And such a different you, such no? A different you were already me. on Zoloft. Yes, okay. I was on Zoloft. I Thank stayed God on for it. Zoloft. Thank God. Yeah. Really, for me, a lifesaver and yeah. for a lot of people I know. Um, I w- I, well, and also, I learned from the first time that I need support. Yeah. So um, I got a night nurse. Yeah. I got a nanny. Mm. Um, I knew that after a C-section, I'd have to rest. Mm. You know, like there were just things that now I was armed to do do and to know. And at first my husband's like, I don't really want someone in our house. But then like this woman, Clavia, our night nurse was so amazing. Mm -hmm. I still recommend her. It's like, you know, eight years later. And, um, he saw like, oh my God, this is saving our marriage. Like both of us sleeping and having dinner together, like what a blessing. And so to have a stronger partnership, to have a stronger sense of self, better health, all of that, um, I think is why I look back at Gavi, my second born, um, as being like such a positive motherhood experience. Mm. Like they, they just were always, my friends would call Gavi the happiest baby in Brooklyn because <laughs> they were just like a delight, like always smiling. And it makes a difference, you know, when you have like a happy make a baby. It does of course. Um, so Gavi, I'm saying they because their pronouns are they, them, yeah. um, which they announced to us during the pandemic when they were in first grade. How did they even know? Well, um, since they were three, we knew that Gavi was different. Um, well, since he was they, since they were born, they were different than your first. Very different, but like different from a lot of other kids mm. in, that we knew. Um, would gravitate towards um, dolls, art, um, My Little Ponies, dollhouses, dress up, fairies, ballet, but ballet in a tutu, mm-hmm. you know. I saw videos of them before the pandemic. Yeah dancing around your apartment in a tutu. And I thought, oh, my God, what a great mom. What a cool <laughs> kid. Yeah. It, it was a, a little bit of a reveal. It, it's not like you outed them. But I, I you know, I, I follow you pretty closely. And it was it was interesting to watch. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting to experience as a, par- as a parent. Mm. And then in the, with the lack of support again mm. around us like our family members weren't like great so happy that they found who they are like it's it's still a journey and they were the first kid in school um, in their school to wear a dress uh, to school there were there was no literature no picture books about um, being non-binary or trans uh, and we we live in Brooklyn you would think but it's it's I had to give the teacher all of the books. Uh, this year and last year, um, and luckily we had teachers that were that embraced it, and especially this year uh, in second grade, this teacher like made such an effort. Like the pronoun thing was not easy for her. I, it's I don't think it's easy. It's not easy. I, I, yeah, it's not easy. But she tried so hard, <laughs> and then the kids they all got it like this, and they'd be like, Miss Melissa, no, it, remember they them like. The way that I think Gavi came to it was we just constantly supported them in what they asked for. Mm. And um, 
it wasn't like the minute Gavi said, I want to wear a dress. We were like, great, let's go shopping. Like, right. it definitely took us time. We'd be like, you can wear this at home. And mm -hmm. then when we saw that they didn't want to be a different person outside of the home, we'd be like, you want to wear this tutu <laughs> oh thing? God. They're sure. so intact. They're so intact. I don't want to be a different person outside that I am inside. Would you? No. <laughs> no. I mean, I am socialized to to behave, I guess, a different way at home. But gosh, yeah, it's not it's not right. No, and they knew that. And people are like, "You're indulging, Gavi," and I'm like, "In being happy, I don't quite understand." And well, life is going to be hard for them. Life is hard for everybody. Life is hard, you know. And and if this gives them joy, then like, so and they have access to joy. Yeah. Isn't that what we want? But books really help. So Okay, yeah. So what books? So um, we had like a house for everyone. I can give you a, my favorite list of, of books for like your starter, non-gender uh, conforming child mm, um, or your mom who doesn't get it at all. I gave my parents, parents the picture right? books. Yeah, because they explained it so clearly. Um, what's There's that book with the the kid who has the dress and wants to wear the dress to school and um, Jacob's new dress and then Jacob's room to choose. And mm. there's, there's so many wonderful books. And we just read these books like we would read, you know, our book about marching um, <laughs> and our book about sharing and feeling like all that stuff. And yeah. I think that slow, you're not like, so listen, you could choose between being um, trans or you could be, by non-binary, you could be binary. You could. We didn't even have to do that. You just read, and then eventually they absorb what they need to, and they cling to the things that they feel. I, and I'm talking about children as yeah. right now when I say they um, resonates with them most. When so you knew that Gavi was a little different when he was when he at the time was mm -hmm. three. Mm -hmm. would, I, I would just assume he was gay. Gender is different from sexual orientation. Yeah, tell me. So gender, your gender identity is the gender with which you identify most. So yeah. you feel like a girl. I feel like a girl enough. Enough. You feel that the sex that you were assigned at birth is reflected in your identity. I mean, I'm a special case, but okay. sort of. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. So uh, yeah. People listening, uh, yeah. many people, because it's just the norm. I, I mean, I, I guess I'd shrug my shoulders and say, yeah. Okay. And Eno enough. Right. Yeah. Enough that it doesn't, like, when you look in the mirror, no, I don't you don't have, want to tear your skin off. Kind I don't of thing. have gender dysmorphia. Okay. No. Um, I'm not an expert. I'm just saying this is what, what I know. Yeah. But sexual orientation is completely different. I mean, first of all, at age three, at age six, children don't have sexuality. That's right. Yeah. So that's not even on their minds, like, who am I attracted to? Right. So when I say a three-year-old is gay, well, that's they don't have sexuality to be to a homosexual. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. um, so when you've come into your own sexuality and your sexual identity, mm. then you can decide, you know, who you're more attracted to. Mm -hmm. Um but in terms of gender identity, it's this feeling of, you know, for, for Gavi, it's I sometimes feel like a boy and I sometimes feel like a girl. So that's where the non-binary comes from. If they felt um, like more of a girl 
if if they were like, I always feel yeah. like a girl, then their then their gender would be yeah. female. Yeah. Their sex assigned at birth was male, but their gender would be female if they wanted to be if they didn't want to be if they knew that they were female. It's just something you know. Yeah. And um then that would be considered trans. Mm. A trans girl. Yeah. Um, and even if you don't take any action on that, if you feel that feeling, way. if you yeah. identify as trans, yeah. Well, if you don't take any action, if you're not supported at all, if your parents are like, "I want you to play softball," and you have to wear that shirt with the with the mitt on it and say, "Mommy's little dude," you know, like, and we don't do this in our house, and you can't you can't dance and you can't sing and whatever it is you would have the most unhappy kid. And that leads to depression later in life and suicide. Yeah. And kids that aren't supported in their their gender identity. Did it ever feel hard for you to support them? Um, it feels hard because the world is not built for kids like Gavi. Mm. So, like, I go to a restaurant. Am I going to give a lecture to the waiter? Like, <laughs> oh... When we say they, we just mean this one. Like, wow. it's it's hard. But I'm not going to say he just to make the waiter happy. No. So sometimes I do explain. I'm like, oh, their pronouns are they, them. So they're going to have da-da-da-da-da. Great. Yeah. And, they and the waiter likely doesn't care. I mean, doesn't care. But it's on the same but, page. But no, it doesn't care in terms of, like, isn't going to give you pushback. It's kind of. Right. It's a transaction. Yeah. That's maybe the simplest hard thing. But it's hard. But it's hard because, like, if I let that go, then Gavi doesn't feel seen. It would be like if your name is Danielle and everyone's like, Daniel would like, you'd be like, that's not my fucking name. Yeah. You know? Um, if my own parents would say say my name wrong, that yeah. would be really hurtful. It would be so awful, right? Hurtful, really? It would really hurt. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, and then it's just hard because there's not, you know, they're they're like the only one in their class. But even when I would watch those videos of Gavi earlier on, they're the only one because they're <laughs> it. They're the know? only Gavi. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. there, you know, there's got to be that that too. There's that too. Yeah, they're, they're just, just their own person. Special, right? It's, it's hard to. I mean, all children are special, but it's hard to describe Gavi and people be like, oh, I recognize that. I know that person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I call him like my magic pixie child. Um, I know we're wrapping up, which is like I could talk to you forever. Well, that went by really fast. It did go by really fast. Yeah. Um, this is my disappointed sound. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, no, there's more. There's got to be more. Maybe you'll come on again. I'm happy to. Yeah. Um. Thank you for asking all those questions. Which ones? Oh, the Just, hard ones where I'm like wrong. No, and I say it's, uh, about first of all about psychosis, about anxiety, oh, and postpartum, yeah. and then asking about how did you know and what's it like to not feel supported and what's the difference between gender identity and sexual identity. Those are really great questions, and I wasn't born knowing them. Yeah, you know what I'm learning in this process is that like I have to ask. Yeah. If I really want to understand, if maybe one of my children is non-binary, if maybe one of the children, you know, of the parents listening or or the soon-to-be parents listening is non-binary, I got to ask, you know, yeah. like if I'm going to be wrong, sometimes I say things that are 
that that may insult, but it it always comes from love. So I don't think it ever it ever I don't think it ever does insult my guests. But I just feel like people don't know. If you come from a place of curiosity, there's another way of pretending that you're curious but being antagonistic. Oh. Yeah. In my day, we just, you know, how come all of my peers are not um, suffering from depression and they were gay and, like, no one one identified as non-binary when I was younger and they're fine. And, you know, it's like, how do you know? How do you know if they're fine? (laughs) That wasn't an opportunity. There wasn't an option. So sometimes I get, like, cross-examined with the implication that, like, I created this. Oh, you know, it's probably because I really see this beyond gender and I really honor you as a mother. Like I really see you as someone who's, you know, supporting this child who, as we say, every child is special, you know, like each person is so individual. And Mm -hmm. the fact that you could see that, love that, support that no matter what is so inspiring to me, whether he, they, she, anyone is dealing with their gender, their sexuality. When we're talking about like the interests of children, they matter. Mm -hmm. When we talk about like the way a child identifies, I'm a dancer. (laughs) If you take that seriously, that's why, that's what moves me most. I mean, I think of course, it's it's an interesting topic when we talk about, you know, gender and all of this. But to really be a supportive mother like that, that's inspiring. It's really cool to also have a supportive dad. Yeah? What's that like? Um, they get mad on your kid's behalf if someone – we have a family friend who's like, I went to his bar mitzvah. I saw his schmeckle. He's a boy. Okay. And so my husband will be like, this is really – inappropriate and that's not correct and you know he'll he'll get so angry um in a way that i'm really proud of and then he'll actually he'll address that that issue so it's it's really nice he took gavi to get their first dress Mm. yeah where uniqlo nice um i'm sure there was like a huge education for you on this, because even though it's like intuitive to you, it, it seems to be intuitive to you to like let people be who they are mm-hmm. and let people be different. You do that in your work and you obviously are doing that in your home. But if there are some, um, you know, resources that you can share with mm-hmm. the listener around this, yeah. um, because there, I mean, there are probably people in the Midwest who are just like, who are those mommy bloggers that we were talking about in the beginning mm-hmm. who are just like, you know, like run-of-the-mill mom mm-hmm. has a boy, thinks they're going to have a, 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 a young man one day. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. What, what do we say to her? Uh, it's really wonderful to live in a world of possibility and curiosity and to let our children unfold. Um, as themselves. They know who they are. They really know who they are from a very young age. And they are telling you. And so to be open to listening, I think, is um, one of the best things you can do as a parent. Are there support groups around this experience? Are there? I mean, there's a, the Ackerman Institute uh, is in New York. And, I, and they do a lot of great uh, groups and therapy 
mm. for families of kids with different uh, gender identities or not not conforming gender identities and um, and also gay people and maybe the dad is is just came out you know they have all kinds of things around this I've never used them I found um, Instagram is really helpful yeah yeah Instagram yeah. what a plug for yeah. Instagram today <laughs> um, and and actually Twitter probably not Twitter um TikTok is is great for educating because they have like little snippets and so you know you look at like non-binary kid or LGBTQ rights and you can right. find things um, but books are really the best and I'm going to give you a list of some of my favorite books and I think that books are a really great place to start so um, grateful thank you and then another book that I have that helped me um, for parents about yeah. the non I think it's called the creative gender creative child because yeah. the truth is I I don't think they're conf- like that you know that the younger generation is as confused as we are certainly as our <clears throat> as our parents are yeah. yeah we're learning a different language it's yeah. a completely different like even in college if there was someone who expressed their gender identity as like male we would just be like, that's part of the lesbian group. Mm. They must all be lesbians. Right, yeah. yeah that and was, that wasn't that long ago. It was not long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Says a person who thinks 20 years ago isn't long ago. But Same. whatever. It was okay, yesterday. Okay, guys, whatever. Yesterday. It was yesterday. But I'm glad that we are your elders way. and we're so glad that you're listening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we are the witches. Um, where can we find you? Where can we get more of you? At Not Safe for Mom Group, though I'm not very visible there. I am this force um, mm-hmm. behind it. Uh, the at, listening force. Yes. Um, we have a podcast, too, called the Not Safe for Mom Group podcast. Uh, we just started it this year, and we bring on moms to tell the stories they would never say anywhere else or mm-hmm. tell for the first time um, an- anonymously if they choose. We mm-hmm. also have some great authors. Uh, we had Angela Garbus on, which was really amazing. Um, and so you can find it, find me on the podcast at Alexis Broad Cutler to you know, just watch pictures of my kids <laughs> frolicking in the sand. They're really cute. Yeah. And um, and at Chamber of Mothers, which is the nonprofit that I co-founded. I'm so excited about that. And I'm so thankful for you. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm really so grateful to be here. I've always wanted to spend more time with I you. Know. So this was really nice. Well, in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. Okay, yes, here that we go. would be better. Yeah. <laughs> more efficient. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.